0: Bible, open up to Luke Chapter Twenty Two, <clears throat> Luke Chapter Twenty Two. point him him out draw attention to him, but I'll come here today and uh, there's a friend of mine who, we went to school together, I don't think I've seen him since school, other than on Facebook, and he's here today, and I recognized him, I shook his hand, and then all of a sudden I recognized who it was, and I just want to say, it takes a whole lot of grace for him to come in here and listen to me, I guarantee you. Luke chapter twenty two. Um, you know the Bible talks about how God raised Jesus from the dead to demonstrate power, and when you think about the resurrection, everything to do with with Jesus' life, his birth, his death, his resurrection is a demonstration of power, and. Let me get to my where I'm turning. I'm sitting here thinking while I'm turning. And so I want to talk to you this morning about the power of sin, the power of love, and the power of his resurrection. This is going to be a terrible illustration, but maybe it'll help you remember. Has anybody ever watched the last Rambo movie? Anybody, let's be honest. Anybody watch the last night? I think like Rambo 13. Anybody? Not only one. All right, me and I thought everybody would identify with this one. Y'all ain't as redneck as you say. All right, I watched it on Clear Play, so that cuts out a lot of stuff. But So, so I'm going to share with you because this, this is going to help you understand where I'm coming from. So in the last show, okay, after he done took over Vietnam and took care of Russia, ends up, uh, in the last show, he's in the United States and his niece gets taken. She gets kidnapped by basically the Mexican cartel and sold into uh, slave trafficking. And he goes down there and, and he's going to save his his niece and try to get her out of that. And And the first time he goes, they just beat him to a pulp and leave him for dead. And a lady helps him. It's been a while since I watched it, but anyhow, she, she doctors him back and all that stuff, and, and he starts uh, going and looking for her, and, and he's doing what Rambo does, right? I don't want to get into the gore and the blood of it, but anyhow, he's cleaning house, and and he rescues his niece, and I won't ruin the show for you what happens after that, but <laughs> some of y'all going to go home and watch it just to watch it. If you don't have clear play, I wouldn't watch it. I can tell you that. <clears throat> but no matter what, you, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of Hollywood movies that have that theme. You know, and when you're watching one of those movies, and I was watching one of those movies, you, thought, you know, I hope I would never do nothing like that. There's something inside of you that when you see uh, evil and you see a, a wicked p- person or people who are hurting innocent people, you know, and, and then all of a sudden, you know, I know we're, we're, we're supposed to pray for our enemies and be merciful and gracious and we try to do that. But there's still something inside of you, alright? It's, maybe it's your flesh that when you see somebody get what you think they ought to get, you're like, yeah, that dude needed his head cut off, right? Yeah. So anyhow, it's terrible. The message of love this morning. But he, you know, he's, He's doing that, and, and then you see him rescue the girl, and and all that, and you're like, yeah. you know, when when you look at that, you never think that Rambo would be a picture of the gospel. <laughs> but I'm going to illustrate that this morning, because here's the thing: there's a I think I think there's a lot of people in the church who don't have the right thought process about who God is. The power of God's love, His intentions for you, the resurrection. Even us who know Jesus as your Savior, you've been born again, but you're not living the life that, that Christ died to give you because you've got some wrong thought processes, and you're listening to the liar still speak lies into you. And, and the Bible says, "As a man thinks in his heart, so is he." You live out you live out your thought process in life. And if you don't see Jesus for who he is, and especially outside of God's people, if you're here today and, and this is the first time you've been here, tore up to have you here. All right, hope you come back. More than I hope you come back, I hope you see Jesus today. Because Jesus changed. Church doesn't change your life, church is great, but Jesus radically changed my life. I had a lot of thought processes about the Lord, even being raised in church, that wasn't true. And I, and I still have, I still wrestle with some of those thought processes. And so, I just want to show you, cause the world, you know, lost people, especially if you, if you haven't never, especially if you hadn't been taught or, or been around the right people who lead you in the right direction, a lot of people are, are influenced about God by social media or by, by religious crap and by, by, you know, Hollywood, and, and you have all these different things coming in. So you develop your thought process of who God is, what his intentions are. And honestly, when you're hearing it from the outside, it's all going to be a lie. The devil wants to paint a picture of, you know, God is the cosmic principle who's ready to just put out all the rules and rain down on you and, and hold you back from what really is fun. But if you have fun, you're going to hell, so you better get bored and, and end up in heaven. That's what the world thinks Jesus is all about, and then a lot of people who go to church. I'm just going to be clear this morning. I just me. I hate. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm going to say at least fifty percent of people who are going to go to church their whole life are going to die and go to hell yeah. because church doesn't save you. Right. And so if you're if you're outside, if maybe you're on the outside now and you're looking and you're. And, you know, and you look at people and not, not everybody who comes to church all the time, you can't go, well, they're a Christian and they, this, and that, and that's not necessarily the truth. So I encourage you, I don't want you to see church people this morning. I don't want you to see me. I just want you to look at God's word and I want you to see Jesus for who he is and what he, what he wants for you. When you look at the power of sin, you know, from the beginning, God did everything he did out of love. Okay. When God created the heavens and the earth. Spoken exists he was preparing a place for, for the people he was going to create that he loved. That he wants to have a relationship with. That he wants to give good things to and do good things for. And he wants you to, to know him. He wants you to experience his love. He wants you to experience uh, the life that he has for you. Good relationships. You know, all, all the different things that God has for us. And so when he created, everything he did was out of love. And then, you know the story in Genesis, how he prepared the garden, he put Adam in, in the garden, Adam and Eve, and he said, of every tree, of millions of trees, all these trees, great trees that you can eat, you can eat of any of these trees. Enjoy the fruit, enjoy the garden, enjoy creation, enjoy when I come and walk with you each day. I want you to enjoy these things are good. I did it, all of this for you. I wanted this to be an expression. Of my love for you, I want you to look at this and go, wow. You know, God could have created everything just bland, gray and white and, and nothing to it, but he just, you know, you can spend your whole life traveling if if you got the money and you can see so many and you're never going to see everything and just absorb it all in. That was God going, I want you to see who I am and I want to see how much I love you because this is yours. And then, and then we won't get into all the theology of this, but he also said, but there's one tree in the garden. Because here's the thing, love's a choice. God don't want to create robots and go, I'm going to force you to love me. God's like, there has to be a choice whether you want to love God or whether you want to go the opposite direction. And he has this tree in the garden <clears throat> and he says, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, don't partake of that tree. Don't partake of that tree. God will always wanted a love and a grace relationship with his people, not, not law. And he said, don't, don't partake of this tree. And then he gives them a warning. In the day you partake of this tree, you should surely die. He didn't say, in the day you partake this tree, I'm going to get ticked off and kill you. He said, you're going to die. It would be like you, you know, if you had, you know, if you live somewhere. We used to live up in Denson Springs. We was right there close to the highway. You know, all behind our house, plenty of woods. I told the boys, you can roam. You can go. You can, I don't care what you do, you know. I don't know whose land that is. Just don't get caught. (laughs) Anyhow, you know, do whatever you want to do. Y'all can ride your four-wheelers. I I want you to have fun. I want you to enjoy it. But when it comes to the front of the house, don't let me catch you out by the highway. Don't go out by the highway because if you go out by the highway, there's so many people driving up in this highway, 18 wheels, flying in front of the house. If you go out there, it's possible you could die. So I don't want you to go out there. Now, was I being ugly or was I making rules just to make rules? No. I was setting a boundary of life. A boundary of love that leads to life. I'm like, y'all got all this? Why you got it? How many times y'all think I had to whoop them over there? <laughs> anyhow. So anyhow, something about kids. They're like, all right, let's go play football on the highway. But, <clears throat> but anyhow, um, God's made his word is a boundary of life. It's not a list of rules. All right. God, God's, you know, cosmic joy. God's like, if you live by my word, you'll have life and I've got all this for you. But don't, don't, don't do this because if you do, you're going to die. Now the, here's, here's what happens. They, Adam and Eve, I got to hurry. Adam and Eve listened to the liar. They believed that he lied about God. He lied about God's intentions to them. And he was like, God doesn't just, he, God, God doesn't want you to have this. He doesn't have your good in mind. He doesn't love you like he says. He wants you not to do that because you're going to be a God like him. And so they believe the liar, you know the story. They partake of the, the, the fruit. And all of a sudden now mankind as a whole comes under the, the, the curse of sin. And everything the sin has to go with it. And so all of us are born after Adam and he passed that, that curse on to us, that gene through his blood onto us. And that's why nobody had to teach you how to lie or steal or, or cheat or gossip or, or all those things. They didn't, your mom and daddy didn't have to take you to school and teach you that. You, it's just natural to you. Why? It's in your system. It's in your blood. You're under the sin curse. And sooner or later, we all going to get what the sin curse has for us. And this is what it's like. It's like Satan came along and lied and deceived. And just like I show, I tell you about, he took you captive. He kidnapped you. You know, if you lived in a neighborhood that had everybody in the neighborhood was good, you moved in, all of a sudden some of those folks moved in, in the neighborhood. And all of a sudden they're, they're in the house and they say, who are those folks? Those folks who, you know, they do wicked things and evil things. And, and you heard that they've done, they've been in the penitentiary for things they've done to children or maybe, maybe they're doing meth and they're selling dope out of their house and all that stuff. You will tell your kids, I don't mind you going down the street because I know these people and these people are our family. These people, you know, we know them. You better know well who you send your kids to. Right. You know, but, but don't go to that house. Now, as a parent, let me ask you something. If the person in the house kept standing out in front of the house when the kids went by and go, hey, and lying and deceiving to them, trying to lure your kids in. Why? So that they could get them involved in the things that you know is going to lead to their death. Now, if you're a good daddy, I'll let you decide how you're going to handle that. Okay? I can promise you it wouldn't last long in my neighborhood. Amen. I'm going to go to prison. Anyhow. (laughs) But here's the thing. You would love your kids enough to go, I will do anything to make sure that my kids are with me. That they have the very best. That I want them to have what I have. And I want to make sure no harm comes to them. You build a boundary of life. Satan comes along and he kidnaps. And it would be like somebody taking your kid. This is what sin does. It's, it would be like somebody coming along, lying and deceiving your children, luring them in, kidnapping them, taking them to a, to one of the wickedest, darkest, third world countries. And not only that, but when they got them there, begin to brainwash them about who you are, what your intentions are, and causing them to basically believe the liar and turn against you. That's what Satan used sin to do. He came in, he lied, he deceived, they believed, they acted. We're no longer citizens of heaven now. We're taken into what God, God says the kingdom of darkness and Satan continues to lie and use all kinds of things to manipulate people's thought process to go, your daddy really doesn't care about you. He's against you. He doesn't want anything for you. Da da da. This is good. This is where you're at is good because you can't see where he's at. Somebody got you over in, the, you know, in an Islamic nation, and, and you know, and, or down in South America, and you grew up believing there was nothing else. Maybe you heard a, heard somebody talk about, you know, America or talk about home. They, they always told you that's not true. Da, da da This is it. And they fed you a few good things along the way. You're like, this must this, this must be life. And they lied to you and told you all those people who are over there are weird. And your daddy forsook you. He he doesn't care about you. You would. you you could be brainwashed into believing that. There's people I could give evidence of that. And so uh, that's what sin does. And you want to know why God hates sin? That's why. It's not that he hates you. It's not that he hates me. It's that he hates what sin brings about in my life. Ultimately, if you want to be honest, if you look at the Bible, if you look at history, if you look at your own life, any sin that I'm involved in, though it may start off and go, this is okay, this is good. And you may be warped in thinking that way. Ultimately, it all leads to one thing. A horrific death. Horrific death. Say, so what in the world has this got to do with the resurrection? I didn't come to hear all this. It's got everything to do. Because if you don't understand the power of sin, you're not going to understand the power of love. You're not going to understand the power of the resurrection. Right. <clears throat> Here's the thing about God. God loved us enough a beyond measure. Love sinners. To go, I'm not just gonna stay here, I'm gonna go into that country. You know, the Bible speaks of in Hebrews chapter 11 that we do not, we're not, we're not home here, but that we're looking for a country whose builder and maker is God, God's people. If you're a born again believer, you're a child, a son, and a daughter of God. This is not our country. Right. That's our country. We're looking to go what we would call home. Right. Right. And so in that, um, the Lord's like, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to do what any good day would do. I'm going to go. And I'm going to go into that country. In a foreign country. I'm going to live among my enemies under horrific conditions. In order to rescue my children. You know, there was a ransom. If you watch these shows or whatever. I hope nobody in here has ever had to deal with this, really. But there's always a ransom. You know, that somebody kidnaps the kid. Kidnaps the adult. Calls a person. This is what you got to do. This is the requirements. This is the amount you got to pay. You get your kid back. There was a ransom when we were taken by sin. It was required not only by the one who who, who was basically taking us, but it was required by the law of God. The law requires, because God is holy, that a certain standard be met in order for us to be set free. Now you think about this, because people always look at me weird when I say this. What is what is the the requirements? For a person to go to heaven when they die. I'm going to tell you this in one word. Perfection. Absolute perfection. Don't anybody get up and walk out yet? The standard that God's law requires. That when you die. You don't have to go to hell. That you go to heaven. God says absolute perfection. Anybody in here going? If we look at ourselves, we'd have to say, then what in the world am I doing here? I would, if I, if that was the only hope that I had, I promise you, I'd be fishing today. Because I blew that a long time ago and I blow it on a regular basis if we were being honest. You say, then how in the world is anybody going to go to heaven? Because God knew none of us could save ourselves. None of us can meet that requirement. And the power of love is this. God loved us enough to go, I'm going to send my son who was willing, not only willing, but wanting to go. Think about the love of Jesus. It wasn't just at the cross. He left the environment, the atmosphere of heaven constantly being worshipped. I can't even imagine what heaven's like. Perfect peace. And he stepped out of a throne as a king into a barn with a bunch of animals in a robe of flesh and became one of us in order that he could live what the ransom required. Jesus lived a perfect, sinless life. God in the flesh. So how did he do it? Because he wasn't born of Adam. Adam didn't pass his sinfulness, his genes or the curse to Jesus. Why? Because Mary was a virgin. He was born the son of God and he lived a perfect sinless life and met the ransom requirements. Does that make sense? I know this is simple to some of you, but I just really want to get this to you, okay? So what was the requirements? That was one of them. The other one was he had to literally go through hell on earth. Literally. To be crushed. I want you to look in Luke chapter 22. You're like, all right, you're going to read the Bible. Yeah. Luke chapter 22, we get to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane. Jesus had just, you know, I can honestly preach on this for hours, I won't. Jesus had just came from, what, the Last Supper with his disciples. Remember the Last Supper? He said, this is the bread it's my body, which is broken for you. And then he's offered him, what, the cup. This is the cup of my blood for the forgiveness or the remission of sins. Those are symbolic. He's like, I want you to drink from my cup. I want you to eat the bread. I want you to receive the sacrifice that I'm making for you so that you can have life, so that I can rescue you, so that I can get you out of this country and take you home. So in that, they leave there. They go to a place called the Garden of Gethsemane, chapter 22 and verse 39. Let me get where I'm going. It says this, And coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. When he came to the place, he said to them, pray that you enter not into temptation. He knew the power of sin. He was withdrawn from them a stone's throw and he knelt down and he prayed and he's saying, Father, if it's your will that this cup or to take this cup away from me, nevertheless, not my will but yours be done. An angel appeared to him from heaven strengthening him and being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. He rose from the prayer. He had come to his disciples. He found them sleeping from sorrow. Then he said to them, why do you sleep? Rise up and pray lest you enter into temptation. And and we'll stop right there. You go, What what was going on here? And one thing I want to bring out is Gethsemane. The word Gethsemane means crushing. It was a place of olive trees where they would crush the olives and the oil would come out of the olives. It was not only a place where they crushed. This is where the place where the Son of God would begin to be crushed. You Think about this. Isaiah prophesied out of Isaiah 53 and it says, He was crushed for our sins. He was pierced for our sins. He was crushed for our sins. Jesus went through a crushing. That was one of the requirements of the law. He had to take the full weight, the full punishment, not of just one individual sin, but the sin of the whole world, all combined in a very short, probably 20 hour period that he would take that weight on and he would be crushed. And if you look at that, and I, I'm running out of time, but you'll see his whole, where he was sweating his drop of blood, that's a medical condition called hemat I believe it's hematodrosis. It's when a person is in such agony and stress that the blood vessels around your sweat glands begin to burst and you sweat blood. It's a very rare disease because most people never see agony like that. So what in the world was causing this? He said, Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Not my will, but your will be done. Like, What is he talking about with this cup? He's talking about my cup, your cup. You see, he just offered his cup. In order for him to offer his cup of life, he had to drink my cup of wrath. If you look in, you stay where you are because I'm going to go a little quick. In Revelation chapter 14, verse 9, this is the cup he was seeing. Then a third angel followed them, saying with a loud voice, If anyone worships the beast or his image receives the mark in his forehead or in his hand, he himself also shall Drink of the wine of the wrath of God, which is poured out full strength into the cup of his indignation. You see, that's what the devil's got coming. That's the part of the Rambo movie. He's like, yeah. okay. There's going to be one of these days where I think God's people, when we see what the Lord pours out on the kingdom of darkness, on on the devil and his angels, I'm, I'm going to be like, yeah, justice. That's for all that junk you gave me in my life. Here's the sad part. If you identify with that kingdom, you're going to get the same thing. You understand that? And, and here's the truth. You're either one or the other. There's no in the middle. You're either in the kingdom of light because you've been born again, saved by the blood of Jesus, and you've received that in your life, or you're in the kingdom of darkness. Right, and you're going to get what that has, and God doesn't want that. And like I, I talked to the inmates yesterday, if you die and go to hell, it's not because God got mad and, and wanted to throw you in there. It's because you rejected the love of Jesus and that you died and went to hell there everybody in hell today their sins are paid for in full Jesus loved the people that are in hell today he loved them just as much as he loves anybody sitting in this room and you'll die and go to hell with your sins paid for because you listen to the liar so think about this it goes on down and it says he's going to drink of the cup in he shall what is this cup he shall be tormented with fire and brimstone in the presence of the holy angels. In the presence of the Lamb. And the smoke of their torment ascends forever and ever. And they had no rest day or night. And I'll stop right there. And so, say, oh, here we go. He's going to preach hellfire and brimstone. What good, is the, what good is the cross if there's not? Do you think the cross just goes, oh, I'll get Randall out of some trouble. He's causing in life. Clean him up. Get him in church. and I don't need the cross for that. What I need to cross for, for is to pay for the sin debt that I owe in order that I can be forgiven and given life and, and be rescued and have the life God always intended for me to live that I was deceived and lied to from the devil and and, and ran after half my life. So if you're sitting here, you going, oh, he's going to just try and scare you. Right. If you're not scared, it don't bother me. I'm not trying to scare you into making a decision on that. Please don't read that. Anymore. I just want you to see the truth. You make your own decision. So what did this crushing look like? I'm going to go through this without looking at a whole lot so I can get you done. But think about it. You look at the cross, the power of God's love. This is what was required. Number one, he went through the betrayal. Judas betrayed him. All his all his. Disciples forsook him and fled. He went through the lies. They took him through a mock trial. In the middle of the night, all night long, he goes into this religious group. Anybody here like to be judged? Especially when you know you haven't done what they say. That's what he went through. That's what sin does. Sin judges you and judges your heart. And you know it's not right. Nobody likes it. That's why a lot of people say, I ain't coming to church, they're judging me. Jesus went through that lying perverted judgment most of the night from people who just wanted him dead. Then he went through the mockery. You know, they took a, they took a, a uh, what do you call it, blindfold? They blindfolded him, had him tied up. And as they, each one would come by and they would slap him in the face. You ever been slapped in the face? Not a good feeling. Slap him in the face and go, tell us, prophesy to us now, who just slapped you? And that went on and on. Slaps to the face. Spit. You ever been spit on? Most disgusting thing probably. Somebody just spit in your face over and over. when Jesus went to the cross, he was covered in spit. And then they shipped him off to Herod. Remember Herod's soldiers? They, they, the mockery they took. and They said they stripped him of his clothes and they put a purple robe on him. One of them made a crown of thorns, shoved it on his head. They bowed him down and they beat that crown of thorns over his head with reeds. Till it dug into his skull and then they bowed down in front of him and said, hail, King of the Jews. False worship. It's going on all over the United States of America right now. Right. People who go to church and sing and they say the right words and they preach the right things and they do these things, but their life is a mockery to God. He's not the Lord. He's just something we do on Sunday. And he went through this mockery and they spat on him and they beat him in the face of you know, the Bible. Actually says in, in uh, Isaiah chapter 50, I said, what kind of beating did he take? The Bible says his face or his visage, his form was so beaten that you couldn't recognize him as a man. Everything broken on his face, eyes closed, lip busted, so distorted his mom wouldn't even recognize him. He was like a piece of hamburger meat hanging on a tree. So don't look at the little painted pictures with a trickle here and a trickle there. He was beat in that way. And then there was more mockery. And then the scourging took place. If you've ever watched The Passion of the Christ, that gives you a pretty good idea of what happens at a scourging. Then the rejection, all the people, the same people a week earlier, that was like laying down the palm leaves going, you know, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. A week later was in the same crowd saying, crucify him, crucify him. You know, the more I preach the message, the more I go, this sounds like a whole lot of church I've been involved with. Not this one, okay? <clears throat> Y'all know what I'm talking about. And then the Via Della Rosa Road, all the way down the road, he carried the weight of a cross, 300 pounds, with his rib cage showing, his guts hanging out. And he had to carry his own cross to the point that he collapsed and they forced somebody else to come and help him with that cross. Then they get to the place where they're going to crucify him, strip him, totally strip him of his clothes, stretch his arms out, run nails through his hands and his feet. And then if that wasn't bad enough, more mockery. Then the people just kind of sat around like they're watching a football game. Hey, if you're the son of God, come off the cross, show something. And then they cry to the crowd. You see, he said he was the son of God. God's rejected him. He's not saying he's nobody. This is a nobody. And we want to make sure everybody understands he's a piece of garbage. And then there was the worst part, I believe, was the outpouring of God's wrath. That's the part we can't see. See, we can relate to the physical and go, that was horrific. We have no idea. The worst part of it was just a moment, for a moment, God separated the Father, turned on Jesus because he became sin. And God poured out wrath and hell and indignation on his son for my sin. Do you get that? you want to know what love is? The Bible says Jesus became you so that you could become him. He became sin so that you could become the righteousness of God in Christ. It would be like yesterday when we was at the prison. If you'll bear with me, I've got just a little bit. It would be like you're going out there and picking out the worst one in the crowd who's done the most horrific crime to somebody over and over and over with that person. But there's something about that person that causes you to love that person. Maybe that person is your child. And they're dead guilty of that crime and they're where they should be. They should even be put to death. And for you to go, you know what I'll do? I'm going to go there and I'm going to assume their identity. And I'm going to take what they've got coming for the rest of theirs so that they can assume my identity and walk out free. That's how much Jesus loves you. If you're here today, listen to Him. if you're here today, you've never darkened the doors of a church, you woke up this morning and you just, whatever in your mind because of what you did yesterday, you got filth and darkness in your life, you're involved in every ungodly and every kind of wicked thing you can be involved in, Jesus loves you like that you get that? Jesus doesn't love you because you came to church. He loved you before you came this morning. And he'll love you when you leave. Even the, even if you reject him. He's like, I'm going to pursue you for the rest of your life. I'm going to pursue you. Because I want to save you. Because I want you to know who I really am. Right. Woo, that's good, ain't it? <clears throat> and then finally, Jesus said, his last words. I want you to get this. His last words is what? It's, it is finished. And he, and he gave his spirit to the Father. Now... That's the power of love. I want to finish up with the power of the resurrection. So why do you get so excited when you, when you read the book of Luke and, and, the, and the people come to the, to the tomb and the angels are there and they said, I love this phrase. Why do you seek the living among the dead? He's not here. He is risen. You know, God's people are like, yeah. And I know, I know some people don't go, what's, what's the big deal? I mean, I'm excited. Jesus didn't stay in the grave. Da-da-da. I'm like, if you don't understand the power that sin has in your life, And where it's taking you to. And that he simply chose not because you're good or because you're going to go to church. Because you're going to make a bunch of promises. But simply because he loves you. He chose to come and make a way for you to be saved from that. In order for him to save you, he had to raise from the dead. Because death is your biggest enemy. Understand that. Get this. I want to read this to you. This is my last one in Colossians chapter (coughs) 2. Colossians chapter 2. Uh, says this oh, yeah uh, he was made alive together with him having forgiven you listen to him if you're here this morning you've never repented you've never trusted in Jesus savior maybe you're sitting there going i'm i'm listening to this i'm I'm hearing it so what what do i need what what does God want to do at the moment that you Believe the gospel. Christ died for you. He was buried for you. He rose again for you. And he offers you a gift of forgiveness in life. You repent. That means I'm going to turn from believing the liar. I'm going to turn from believing that sin is my friend. And I'm going to turn to Jesus. Because I want to follow him. And I want to receive his love. God does what? Notice what he says here. He has forgiven you all trespasses. Past, present, future. Having wiped out the handwriting of requirements, there's that ransom requirement, that was against us, which was contrary to us, he has taken it out of the way. How? Having nailed it to the cross. One person got that. Having disarmed principalities and powers, talking about the kingdom of darkness. Hell, make no doubt, hell was at the cross. All of hell was at the cross. And they thought they won, he said he disarmed them, he made a public spectacle of them triumphing over them in it. so what is this list? Well, I don't have a piece of paper big enough, but what if not God, but what if Satan keeps a list because the Bible says Satan's the accuser of the brethren. What if he keeps a list of all your sins? I wonder how much paper you would need today, amen what you not only what you have done but what you I ain't doing that we ought to be doing. And he just keeps a list. I'm telling you, if it was one of them rollout things, mine would just keep going. Be like, you oh, all the way. It's just going and going and going. You realize if you, this is what most Christians think judgment is going to be like. That's not your judgment. Now, if you're here and you die without Christ, your judgment's going to be the devil's going to be like, I got a list. I got a requirement that was unmet. Let me tell you something. And I can use Nathan because I know Nathan. I just, Nathan Fussell. He can't say this anymore and I'll tell you why. Nathan Fussell. Has done. I'm not going to tell a person He's done this and he's done that. He's done this and he's done that. His list goes on and 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 on. Amen? Mine too, brother. This is why he deserves hell. Now, a just judge can't deny that. He would have to say, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. I came to rescue you. I loved you, Nathan came to save you and you didn't want that so depart from me you worker of iniquity i never knew you and he would be just in doing that that's that list here's the good news jesus came and he got that list snatched out of the devil's hand put it behind his hand on the cross and when they nailed it to the cross the blood covered his sin in that day listen to him In that day, when they drove a nail through a document, it means it's void. The Lord said, "I'm I'm not going to do this in darkness like you do, yo devil. I'm going to do it in the light. I want everybody, I want everybody in the in the spiritual realm, everybody in the physical realm, to know he's forgiven. He's not Nathan the sinner no more. He's Nathan the son. And here's here's what's awesome. Finish up with this right here. Say, what is the power of the resurrection? The power of the resurrection is this. The resurrection, let's say this is your list. Compact it on disc so that we can get it all on there. This is your list, all right? This is all the sin you've ever committed. This is what's going to end us up in hell. When Jesus rose from the grave, the book of Romans says, He was raised for our justification. You see, everything that needed to be done was done on the cross to pay for our sins so we could be forgiven. The Bible said, when he said, it is finished, everything was done. Don't go adding to the cross. Well, you gotta go to church, you gotta be baptized, you gotta do good, you gotta blah, 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 you gotta do this. You gotta put your faith and trust in Jesus, okay? But here's what's good. The the resurrection was proof of payment. Any of y'all ever bought anything and later on they charge you again? What do you do? If you're like my wife, you go in that box where she's got every receipt we've ever bought. You know, no, 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 oh, no, they, I've heard her say it before. Oh, no, they didn't. I'm telling you, I'm getting on, on Amazon today. And what is she going to do? I've got proof of purchase. When the devil says, you know what, I've got a list here. He's your accuser. He hates you. He wants you in hell with him. He's like, I've got a list here. And Jesus said, um, I've got proof of purchase. I ransomed them. They've been blood-bought. And it comes with an eternal warranty. Now, let me ask you this question. I want you to just kick your brain back in for just one second. Back to the Rambo story. I can't believe I'm doing this. When you sit there and watch a show like that, what would it be like if you was like, oh, them people ain't that bad. The ones that are sex trafficking, the ones that are, that are using young girls up until they're done shooting them up with dope and throwing them in the river, they're not that bad. And you identified with those people. You hang around them. Oh, you make excuses for them. Well, they ain't like the church folk, bunch of hypocrites. To identify with that, you know what I have to say? You must be a nut. Especially if you was one of the girls and somebody showed up to rescue you and went, All right. I don't whacked out everybody here and I'm here to take you home for you to go, I don't want to go home. I kind of like it here. You know? These people ain't that bad. They treat me good. Yeah. Sooner or later, sooner or later, I'm going to end up dope shot in the river. But right now, this is not too bad. I don't think I want to go. I've heard things about home. I really don't know what home's like. I would have to say, you must be psychotic. For you to hear the message of the gospel, this is going to really tick some people off. Hope not. But let's just be honest. For you to hear the message of the gospel. All that Jesus has done to show you how much he loves you. What he's willing to do to to forgive you. He's come to rescue you and take you home. For you to go, I think I'm going to hang out with the devil. Sin's not that bad. This life of darkness is not too good. I really don't know what home's like. You must be psychotic. You're believing a liar. And if you don't, start believing the truth and turn your heart to it. You're going to end up in hell. So this morning... Let me make this clear. Salvation is not a. All right, they're playing the music. I don't need to come up to the preacher. That's not in the Bible. Salvation is not. Ah, oh, I need to go get baptized. You can get wet in your bathtub, and you're not going to be changed. I don't need to be changed on the outside. I need changed. I need this dead heart raised to life. Jesus said, "I I raised myself to life. Sure that I can raise you." This is what salvation is. If you've heard the word of truth this morning and you're like, I agree with that. I agree I'm a sinner. I agree I have no hope. I agree everything that's been said about that, that's who I am. That's who I'm telling you, that's who I was absolutely 100%. No argument there. Nobody ever had to really try to convince me I was a sinner. I'm also going to believe what the Bible says. Sin is my enemy. Sin's leading me to destruction. You've already tasted it in many ways in your life. If you've been alive very long. You've tasted the result of sin. Never gives you what you hope for. And I believe if I don't trust in Jesus. I'm going to get what they've got coming. So I'm going to believe Jesus. God does love me. Even though I've done all these wicked things. His word, not just the preacher, his word just demonstrated he loves me that much. What I need to do, go talk to the preacher? No, you need to humble yourself and talk to Jesus. Right there where you are. You don't got to come up here. If you want to come up here, I'll pray with you all day, whatever. My prayers not going to save you. You need to humble yourself and go to Jesus and go, whatever. It's not about certain words. You know what you want to talk to him about. Talk to him. And if you'll ask the Lord to forgive you of your sin, believe in what he's done in you, trust in him. God will save your soul. You're not going to see bright lights of vision. You're not going to feel a big, warm, fuzzy, electrical feeling. It has nothing to do with that. It has something to do with the hand of God with a nail print in it that shows you love holds a gift of life for you. And he's like, just come and take it. If you'll, if you'll trust me, surrender to me, make me the Lord of your life. If you'll, if you'll receive my love, I'll surely give it. Will you stand with your head bowed and your eyes closed? <clears throat> Lord, I love you and I thank you so much for loving us, God. Thank you so much, Jesus, for the cross. No question of your love for us and all that you was willing to go through that was required so that we could be forgiven. Lord, your word says you joyfully went through the cross. And God, I thank you that you defeated our greatest enemy. Thank you that you walked out of that grave and left our sins in it. Thank you, Jesus, that salvation is not about trying to be good, do better, try harder, go to church more, get religious It's about recognizing that you're a loving daddy who loves us. God, I pray people here today all over this crowd, if there's somebody that needs you, Lord, today right there, right where they stand, Lord, they'd reach out and reach for your love and receive what you offer. God, I just pray for your people. People here who are still living in the bondage of a lie. Believing that they're just a sinner. Somehow it's going to scrape by into heaven. That's not true. The power of the resurrection sets us free from all of our sin. Makes us holy and righteous, loved in your sight, blameless. You stand before God unendingly to represent us and to speak for us and to confess us to the Father, even as Satan tries to confess. God, I just thank you, Jesus. You didn't just, you're still fighting the battle for us, Lord. I pray, God, we'd be a people who let love transform our hearts, our thoughts, and our lives so that we would live, walk in your love, God, and the world would see the truth about who you are. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen.